It's Ryan Hickey here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your Wednesday night. Where else but right here on CBS Sports Radio. We are a third of the way now through the NFL season. I think it's enough of a sample size to ask you this question. Which team so far through the first six weeks of the season is getting too much love? A team that's getting hyped up, but you are not believing in is a real Super Bowl contender, a real playoff contender. You flat out don't think they are as good as people saying they are. On the flip side, which team right now is not getting enough love? Who is flying too much under the radar where you're saying, hey, look, no one's talking about this team. They're legit. They deserve more praise so far for what they've done and what they're about to do. We start first with which team is getting too much love. For me, it's the New York Jets. The New York Jets right now are getting too much love, especially for their win over the Eagles on Sunday. The New York Jets are not a playoff contender. They're not. They are not a playoff contender for one simple reason. Their offense stinks. Stinks. They are one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And you, in the year of 2023, cannot be a playoff contender in the NFL with a horrific offense. You can't do it. And that's exactly what the Jets are. The Jets' offense only has success when the defense forces turnovers. That's it. This team cannot put two, three, four first downs together and make a drive down the field to generate their own offense to save their life. They can't do it. If they do do it, it's once a game. And it's shocking. But you can't sit here and sell me that an offense that is as bad as the Jets is is a playoff contender right now in the NFL. Look at the game on Sunday. Look and let's go back really fast here to the game on Sunday that a lot of people said, oh, Jets are legit. Jets are a playoff contender. They are here. What a great win. It was an impressive win. But here's why you cannot look at that win by the Jets over the Eagles and buy into this team as a playoff contender. The Jets scored in that game 20 points. Six of those 20 points came on drives that started in the Jets' own end. So more times than not, of the five different times the Jets had drives that ended in either a touchdown or a field goal, three of the five drives started at midfield or in Eagles territory. You had... Right before the half, Jalen Hurts fumbled the ball. Eagle, uh, excuse me, the Jets get it at their own 49-yard line. Okay, right at midfield, get a field goal. Second half, bad punt, plus an Eagles penalty. Jets start the drive at the Eagles' 36-yard line. Already in field goal range, don't have to move the ball. And finally, the last points of the game come off an interception, off Jalen Hurts, ran back to the Eagles' 7-yard line, and because the Eagles figured, you know what? We want the ball back. We're going to let the Jets score. Very next play, they let the Jets walk into the end zone for a touchdown. So the Jets, three of the five scoring drives, own 49-yard line, Eagles 36-yard line, pick six, return to the seven, and the Eagles let the Jets walk right in. They needed 
all of those breaks to go their way in order to put up a measly 20 points to win the game. Let's live in an alternate universe really fast. If the Jets, let's say, got three turnovers, not four. If the Jets held the Eagles to two touchdowns and forced three turnovers, foul towards up for the game, are you saying the Jets win? 95% are saying, oh, yeah, of course. So hard to win when you score 14 points and turn the ball over three different times. You are not winning the game. Maybe I was lowballing it with 95%. Maybe 99% of the time you're losing that game if you're the Eagles with that performance. But if that's exactly what the Eagles did, three turnovers, 14 points, they win that game. The Jets needed a fourth turnover that resulted in their only touchdown of the game being a walk-in touchdown or else they lose. If that Jalen Hurts pass, let's play a little hypothetical here. Live in the alternate universe that right now is not the current one we're in. If Jalen Hurts, instead of throwing a pick with two minutes left up by two, throws the ball out of bounds, takes a sack, runs the ball, and the Eagles have to punt. If the Jets do not get the ball at the seven-yard line of Philadelphia, they instead start the drive down by two, minute 45 on the clock. No timeouts. Do they drive 50 yards to get into field goal range? My answer is no. Absolutely not. And so this is a team that if they just got three turnovers and limited Philly, who still has... Again, I know they're not played like it, but they still have a lot of talent on that offense where they can explode at any point, and you hold that Eagles offense to 14 points. In a game that most teams win, you would have lost. But luckily for the Jets, they get the fourth turnover, get the pick deep into Philly's end of the field, and score a touchdown. That is so unrealistic. To expect and ask your defense going into any given game to force four turnovers in order for your offense to score 20 points? How does anyone think that this is a playoff team? If the Jets offense needs four turnovers a game in order to have a chance to put up 20 points on the scoreboard, you are really then going to tell me with a straight face that the New York Jets are a playoff team? A playoff contender? Get out of here. No chance. Because no playoff contender, no team that is actually going to have bare minimum 10 wins in the AFC this year is going to be able to get to 10 wins with so much needing to go right for their offense to have a prayer at being mediocre. Not elite, not great, not good, not average, not below average. Yeah, we're talking about 20 points needing four turnovers to get 20 points. This Jets offense sucks. And the faster everyone recognizes it and accepts it, the faster you realize calling the Jets a playoff team is flat-out foolish. Because this is not just a one-game trend, by the way. This is not just one game where it's, oh, well, Ryan, you're being unfair. That's not how the season's gone, and you're just trying to take one game and make it a bigger point. This is how, so far, the entire six-game season for the Jets has gone. 
Look at, I'll show you the sample size here. Three wins, three losses. Tell if you see a jarring pattern. In the three wins the Jets have this year, their defense has forced 11 turnovers. 11 turnovers forced in three wins. On top of that, also add a punt return touchdown that won them the game against the Bills week number one and a scoop and score touchdown that put the game out of reach for the Broncos a few weeks ago. So in the three wins, two non-offensive touchdowns, 11 turnovers forced by the defense. And the three losses the Jets have had this year, their defense has forced two turnovers. Two. So 11, again, same amount of games, three and three. 11 in wins, two in losses. Points per game. In the three games the Jets have won, which again, their defense has has totaled a collective 11 turnovers, the Jets' offense is averaging 24 points per game. In the three losses, where the defense has forced just two turnovers, the Jets' offense has mustered 13 points per game. See a correlation? See a concern? See a pattern with this Jets team. They can't score if the defense doesn't give them short fields and room to operate. And no offense, no team worth being put in the playoff conversation is this bad on offense. Is this reliance on turnovers? Can't score without the benefit of the other team shooting themselves in the foot. You can't call that team a playoff contender when all that needs to go right in order for them to have success. Zach Wilson is not very good. The bar is so low that people might try to fool you and tell you that, oh, Zach Wilson's improving. He is not. Can't read the field. Can't make quick decisions. Can't lead an offense. And you look around him, it's not like he has a lot of talent on offense anyway. This Jets team was hyped up in large part because of Aaron Rodgers. But look at this offense. Garrett Wilson, really good. Not a bad word to say about him. Behind him, though. Ooh. Who do you got? Randall Cobb. Hmm. Alan Lazard. Okay. Not bad. But they got nothing. Not a lot of legitimate threats on the outside receiver. Run game is not consistent. Offensive line is not very good. So I'm not a big Zach Wilson fan. I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's improving. But that said, it's not like there's an all-star cast around Zach Wilson to make his life easier. And look where the Jets' offense ranks right now through the first six games of the season. 29th in total offense. The worst passing game in the NFL. And an average run game. If you can't tell me one thing the Jets' offense does well, how can you truly sit here and tell me the Jets are a playoff team? Or a playoff contender, even? You can't do it. No team this bad on offense can make the playoffs. Not this year, especially in a loaded AFC. 
and not now in the modern era of the NFL where offensive football is prevalent, where offensive football is how you win, where the rules are geared to help offenses. You cannot be one of the worst offenses in the league and expect at the end of the season to be one of the seven playoff teams remaining. You can't even expect to be in the mix with how bad they are. So I don't get it. So a lot of that after the the win on Sunday by the Jets over the Eagles of the Jets are what a win, what a statement win. Seem they're, they're legit. They're, they're, they're a playoff contender. Some people say they're a playoff team. It was a nice win over the Eagles. Nothing more. Nothing more than that. And on the flip side, I think a team not getting enough attention, Los Angeles Rams. They were written off for dead. They were buried. And you look at this team. Three and three right now. Survived a four-game run without Cooper Cup. Treaded water pretty well. Now you have Matthew Stafford looking good. Sean McVay. Again, it's still a really damn good head coach. The offensive line is healthy. Good balance, run and pass. Defense is playing well. Cooper Cup now is seemingly has a twin in Puka Nakua, who's looking like Cup, playing like Cup. So you got two now bona fide weapons on the outside. The Rams are top heavy. They don't have a lot of depth. But they're absolutely a team that I think Right now, 3-3 three and three is making the playoffs in the NFC, and they absolutely deserve more attention. So I want to hear your thoughts here. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. You can tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey in the number three. Which team right now through the first six weeks of the season is getting too much praise that you are not buying? And the flip side, who's not getting enough? Who's not getting enough love that you think they are flying under the radar and are forced to be reckoned with? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. When we do return, are the Dallas Cowboys getting unfair treatment from the media? Micah Parsons thinks so. Is he right? We'll discuss when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey here with you on CBS Sports Radio talking and discussing about which teams right now through the first six weeks of the season are getting too much love and which teams right now are not getting enough. For me, team getting too much love right now through six weeks, it's the Jets. Three and three right now without Aaron Rodgers through the first six weeks, but they are not a playoff contender in my opinion, because their offense is too bad. Too poor to be considered a playoff contender. Where on the other side, I think the team not getting enough love, LA Rams. Rams are a team that absolutely, um, at 3-3, three and three, I think are making the playoffs. You survive your little bit of uh, the first four games out Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford is back now and healthy. The offensive line is healthy. Defense is playing well. NFC is not very deep. Rams are like low-key under the radar, 3-3. Three and three. They, to me, at the end of the year, will be one of the seven playoff teams. 
standing left in the NFC. Monster Stack Wizard, hell of a name, tweets at Ryan underscore Hickey in the number three. Too much love, definitely the Jets. Not enough love, the Lions. Hey, what? He says, not enough love, the Lions. People have said the Lions suck, but they have been hot this year. Am I living in a different world? Has anyone on this planet this year, in, in the year 2023, said the Lions suck? I don't know. I don't know about that one. I must have missed, I guess either I'm consuming the wrong media. Well, I'm not living in the planet Earth that everyone else is living in. At least Monster Stack Wizard is. If you want to say the Lions are not getting enough love maybe as a Super Bowl contender or maybe the best team in the NFC, we could talk about that. But I think in terms of right now what they've accomplished, how good they have played so far, for the first six weeks, they definitely have enough love um, so far this season. Steve is calling from California. What's up, Steve? Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Geez, Steve, I thought I sounded bad. You sound worse than I do. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm I'm surviving throat cancer. So. Oh, sorry to make light of it. Glad you survived. What's so, going on, um, man? What's on your mind? Not much. I loved what you said about the Rams. Nobody gave them a shot. I've been a Rams fan my entire life. And I think they do have a shot to make the playoffs, just like you said. They may not go to the Super Bowl, but Sean McVay is a genius. And give, give them time, you know, that's what I'm saying. And maybe it's a trade deadline that can get somebody. What do you think? Yeah, I appreciate the call, Steve. I think they should be aggressive. The trade line's two weeks away. They absolutely should be aggressive on the Halloween trade deadline and making a move. Um, because the Rams are in it. And again, when the NFC is not that strong, where the Eagles, again, right now, look, I think the Eagles are going to be fine. I'm not worried about Philly. But they don't look great whatsoever. I think it's absolutely fair to say. They are they are nowhere near as playing at the type of level they have right now uh, compared to last year. The 49ers, I think, are fine. Lost one game to the Browns. No no reason to panic. They are, they to me, have been right now the best team in the NFC. The Lions, right there with them. Cowboys make the playoffs. But it's like, you look around, someone's going to win the NFC South. Buccaneers is my pick. So five teams, two left. It's like, Seahawks, well, the Rams already beat them once. Vikings are out of it. Commanders, can they hold on? Can a second team, the Falcons? Like I, there's, You go through the line quickly here. There's not a lot of teams you feel good about ahead of the Rams. It was a weak NFC to start. That's part of the reason why I picked the Rams to make the playoffs in the beginning of the year. Because you look around, there's a lot of question marks. And at least with LA, again, they're top-heavy, and so far they've not been too injured. But in a weak NFC to look at right now a conference, or I should say, excuse me, a team, with a great head coach in Sean McVay, with a top-10 quarterback in Matthew Stafford, Top five wide receiver in Cooper Cup. Top five defensive player in Aaron Donald. An offensive line that last year was banged up. This year is healthy. Like, why more people were not on the Rams in the beginning of the year? I have no idea. It makes no sense. 
They're top-heavy, but they have elite talent at the top compared to the question marks with the Packers, with the Commanders, with the Seahawks, with maybe the Giants, if you were a believer in them, and the Falcons. Rams have proven it. Rams have absolutely proven it more than any of these other teams are talking about here as you go uh, on the fight to find seven teams in um, in the playoffs. Really, I want to get to Micah Parsons' comments, but really fast here, one quick thing. Right now, the Astros are not only winning 5 nothing, Two outs, no one on, Christian Javier pitching. Pitching no-hitter. Is it too early in the fifth inning to give a no-hitter alert? I don't think so. So we're just going to give it to you. There you go. Ryan Hickey endorsed no-hitter alert, announcer, broadcaster, radio jinx be damned. A no-hitter right now is being pitched in Game 3 of the ALCS. Christian Javier right now pitching a gem, two outs, fifth inning, never too early for that. Okay. Keep you updated, obviously. Micah Parsons is upset. He thinks the Cowboys deserve the same benefit of the doubt, the same treatment as the Eagles, as the 49ers. Take a listen. This is on the edge with Micah Parsons earlier this week. I just don't condone the bashing of Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys and have the same energy for the Eagles. We want the same energy for everybody because there's a whole bunch of bashing when it's Dak Prescott, but not the same when it's the Eagles. So why is it that we are just scrubs and we're nobodies that don't deserve to be on the field and we're just all talk, but there's a hundred excuses for these other these other teams. If y'all just want to hate Cowboys Nation, just say y'all hate Cowboys Nation. I will react to what he said in just a second here, but I'll be honest, I gotta own it when I when I screw it here. If you are listening or we're listening to the Zach Gelb show in this time slot, you have known Zach's propensity to bring up my quote unquote mushing habits that I would disagree with and just say more a coincidence that teams I pick or players I believe in uh flop. Again, more of a coincidence than I would say a, a mush per se. I have said maybe forty five seconds ago that the Astros are thrown a no-hitter, um, then no-hitter's broken up. Three pitches later, base hit. No-hitter over, perfect game over. Um, again, I'm going to go coincidence. I'm not going to go the, the hickey mush like others on this network have and will say. I will just say, happened to be three pitches after I pointed out there was a no-hitter, then the no-hitter's broken up. Mere timing coincidence, no mush, Whatsoever, oh boy. Bad for the brand. Bad for the brand. But okay, going back to Micah Parsons. He was talking about what? That he's upset that the Cowboys get ripped when they get embarrassed on national TV like they did against the 49ers two weeks ago. But then when the Eagles lose a bad game to the Jets and when the 49ers lose a bad game to the the beat-up Browns, all of a sudden now no one says boo. You want to know why that happens and why it's right, by the way, that the media looks at the Eagles and the 49ers different than the Cowboys? Because the Eagles and the 49ers have earned the benefit of the doubt through their postseason play, and the Cowboys have not. There is no reason to panic about an early season loss by the Eagles or 49ers when we have known come postseason time, they will be fine. They have performed on the biggest stages. In the case of both, have gone to a Super Bowl recently. In the 49ers case, have gone to three NFC title games in the last four years. They've had a lot of postseason success. 
The Eagles right now, this current iteration, just went to the Super Bowl last year, dominated every team on their way to get there. Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate and played really well in the postseason. The Eagles and the 49ers get treated differently because they have earned the benefit of the doubt through their postseason play. The Cowboys, on the flip end, are a team that wins the regular season award most years, are a team that lights it up in the regular season, then come postseason time when it truly matters. When you are, when your season's on the line and where legacies are made, they fall short continuously. That's why the Cowboys, who each of the last two years have won 12 games and have bowed out early in the playoffs, why the sky is falling and criticism is flying when they get smoked by the 49ers versus, oh, the Eagles lost to the Jets? Hurts look bad? Oh, Brock Purdy had the worst game of his career against the Browns? It's okay. We see him in the biggest moments play well. I'm not worried about one regular season game. That's why there's a difference, and that's why there should be a difference. Philly, San Francisco have earned the benefit of the doubt. Dallas has not. Speaking of the benefit of the doubt, I'd like to welcome in Marco Bloody. Does a tremendous job here, as you know. Marco, I would say you have earned the reputation, rightfully so, as being the toughest guy here at CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> okay. Mr. Macho Man <laughs> yourself. Benefit of the doubt, we're going to give it to you. We're going to give you that title. All right. I want to ask you how tough you are. I'm not tough. I'm not going to pretend to be tough. There is a haunted house in, I believe, Tennessee. The McCamey Manor. Have you ever heard of it? No. The McCamey Manor is a haunted house. I'm not a fan of haunted house in general. I will not be going here. I want to ask you if you'll be going. You, in order to go to this haunted house, Mm -hmm. if you complete it, you get handed $20,000. Done. No questions asked. I don't you even care 20- what I don't care what you have to say. Done. Done. Okay. In order to go in the house, mm-hmm. you have to sign a forty-page waiver. Mm-hmm. They do a Facebook screening of you. Are you on Facebook? No. Yeah, that's not surprising. And you have to furnish <laughs> proof of a recent physical before maybe getting inside. Well, that would be a problem. My most recent physical was probably in high school, so I don't. I don't. We'd have to, okay, let's we'd have to do bypass, some legwork, okay? Let's bi- bypass that. All right. $20,000 to complete this haunted house that, to date, no one has ever completed. Wait, wait. See, haunted house, or is this like American Gladiators? Am I going through a gauntlet, or am I just going through and you're trying to scare me? What's uh, the difference? The big difference is it sounds more like this is like near death versus like they've taken haunted house to the absolute extreme. I get, yeah, but see... Now, you, you have to explain this. Haunted okay. house is walk through. There's, you know, right. skeletons come flying out. They play scary mu- music. They make loud noises to try to freak you out and to see if you run out screaming like a child. However, if you're talking about I walk through and it's like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and I'm going to have my head chopped off by a, a saw as I walk through, that's a little different. I still do it for 20 grand. <laughs> But I'm going to fail in that regard. So, like, there's a difference in this. Let me give you some some details. Um, so, apparently, you are force-fed. Now, this is rumored. Vomit. That's part of it. You are confined in a space with spiders and cockroaches. And, according to this article by FastCompany.com, 
they do a rather, in their words, rather convincing impression of trying to drown you. All right. The the drowning, the cockroaches, the spiders, I'm good. Why are you forcing me to eat vomit? No, I'm not doing vomit. Why am I eating vomit? I don't vomit? know. I mean, that's part of the reason why haunted. you probably get $20,000. Well, that's not haunted. It was the Haunted brain- is you try to do, but you don't actually go through with it. You try to drown me, but you don't actually kill me. Like, I, there's a difference. Vomit no. I don't need. What, 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 what am I chewing vomit for? What, what, it's part of the That's experience. not haunted. That's disgusting. There's a difference. There's a line here. So the vomit I feel like we need for- to discuss. That's the thing. That's, you know, I'd almost have to talk to the people in Tennessee, whatever this house is. We can go through a gauntlet of all kinds of stupid haunted things, and I'm in. But you cross the line with, you know, I mean, sorry, force-feeding me vomit? No, no, no we're not doing so that. So you're out on that? I'm not doing that. Who's vomit? I'm, I'm. I don't know. Someone's. No. It was made by an ex Navy man. Yeah. No. See, we'd have to sit there. For adrenaline junkies. Yeah. That's like not, I don't think you're that's not adrenaline die. there, buddy. That's At least just nasty. What I've read no one has actually died, so I think you can feel. I'm going to say, I put in air quotes, quote unquote, safe. Going here, where you're not going to say, "Oh man, I could lose my life." But for $20,000, it sounds like you're going to earn it. And so far, no one has made it through. Again, look, if you're asking me to go through physical things that I can't physically do. You would get waterboarded? Yeah, sure. 20 grand. Yeah. Oh. Guantanamo Bay style. I, that, that I got no problem with. I really, I don't. That I got no problem with. Eating vomit, I'm not doing. What about That's snakes? Nasty. They didn't say, they said uh, spiders and cockroaches. What if you threw snakes in there? Uh, I mean, how long am I in this room? An hour. With just snakes and spiders and cockroaches? Yeah. I mean, are they all over? Are they on my face? They're crawling around. It's dark. They're on the floor. They're on the floor. And I can stand. You can stand. Oh, my. I am getting the chills. I told you this. Then I'm okay. If you tell me I got to lay down and they're all over my face, then no. Then I'm not doing that. They can slither up on you. Yeah, I can live with that. I can live with that. You could give me a million dollars. I am not doing that for 10 minutes. Now, again... Would I do all of this for twenty grand? Like you're pushing the limit. I mean, twenty grand. If I'm doing all kinds of ridiculousness, I, I, I'm going to need to be a little bit more compensated than twenty grand. You know, you're going you're gonna to waterboard me to the point of I'm almost I'm teetering on death. I think I need a little bit more than twenty grand. I think I'm personally worth eh, just a smidge more than twenty grand in that regard. What I'm concerned about is again, this is at least going out of 2015, so it's a long ways away. I understand this is the most recent. So it hasn't been find. shut down for a lawsuit already. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. At least according to 2015, the owner of this mansion, the McCamey Manor, said there was a wait list of 20,000, 27,000 people hoping to come, hoping to go. You hear all of that. I am frankly disappointed and shocked that 27,000 people say I'm going to sign up for that. Yes. Even you, Mr. Macho Man yourself, said you're out. Again, and that's... Right, are you, are you, 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 you put out? that on me, then, then I put that on myself. Let's make that clear. For what you've explained yes. and for the price, no, I probably would okay, not go. Okay, so you're, I, you're a sensible human being. No. You're out. Yeah. For, again, depending on what the things you're asking, requirements, and the price, if you're going to teeter on life and death, I need a little bit more than 20 grand. Sorry. If you're going to talk about, you know, some of the, I mean, just the nasty, the vomit, you you already lost me. Like, you got to pay me a whole hell of a lot of money to dis- even discuss that we're going down that road. Because that's just nasty. I can live with, you know, spiders or whatever, or again, skeletons, music, 
you know, craziness and who comes out of the thing looking like Leatherface, I'm fine. Vomit? Who thought of that? Why would I ever need to eat vomit? Adrenaline junkie. What adrenaline? Who eats vomit? This sounds nasty. the realistic version or the real life version of um, Squid Game. See, I've never seen Squid Game. I heard it was good. Oh, I've never seen it. I'm sure show. it would be something that I would like. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what was that other one that was sim- similar thing? Like all the stupid things that you have to do. Like, again, if it's disgusting, it depends on the price. Fear Factor? Yeah, there you go. Fear, fear Factor. And I didn't really like that because Joe it, Rogan? it was just nasty. There's this difference. But like, you know, fear to the point of like to a, prove a point. The Haunted House is to almost kind of like prove uh, some bravery. Eating vomit is not brave. It's just nasty. There's a line. There's a line. Do you see the line? Because I feel like the line's clear. This is not like a gray area. There's there's a difference between, you know, Leatherface coming out and you're scared he might saw you in half with his chainsaw and eating vomit. Like, what? how the hell do we cross this line? I don't disagree. Again, I was out from the beginning. You could have told me any one of these details for $20,000. Spiders and cockroaches, waterboarding, eating vomit. I'm out. Just give me one of the yeah, three. I'm, I'm out for 20K. Put I'm good for scary. Together. I'm not good for disgusting. That's a line. Macho Man of CBS Sports Radio, Marco Bloody, draws the line. Forget about scary. Disgusting. That is yeah. good. There's a nasty factor. That is Plain and simple. So I, I still can't get over it. Forget about this sicko making this. I can't believe there's like almost 30,000 people saying, sign me up. I want to be there. Uh, you'd be surprised what people do for money. But again, that's a, so. that's a small Still. price for, and I don't know what the price was for Fear Factor. Like, what did you have to do other than being on TV and making an ass of yourself? Was there Probably was there it. was there a lot of money involved in that? I would assume I not much, know. right? Guaranteed money. Like, I don't think like if you don't finish it, you don't get money. And for this, like, it's you, it's all or nothing, right? Twenty k or nothing. Right, 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 right. I'm Which I think Fear all of those. Are, I would think all of those are like that. You either got to finish or you don't, or you get nothing. Well, I Fear mean, Factor. I'm sure you get paid. I don't know. I, I I would assume to get him on the show, like you definitely get something just for appearing on the show. I don't know. You'd be surprised how much that people would be volunteering and willing to make an ass of themselves just to be on TV. You'd be shocked. Well, you'd be shocked. Yeah, I guess you're right about that. That's yeah. that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Twenty years ago, yeah. That's Twenty years ago. Fear factor, yeah. No, I'm just saying this, oh. this is not about time. This is no, not. No, oh, back right. in the day, or fifty years ago, five seconds ago, people put him on TV, willing to make an ass of themselves. That, you are right. That is timeless. That is absolutely timeless. <laughs> Speaking of timeless, when we return, Anthony Richardson officially now out for the year. Shoulder surgery finished, and or start, I should say, started and finished one game in his rookie year out of 17. Should the Colts change the way he plays football? I'm just going to tell you no. Tell you why we do return. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. I still cannot believe what I encountered last week. Actually, not last week. It's been over the last like month or so. I am not a political person whatsoever. I hate politics. I don't pay attention. I really don't care, to be honest with you. What is happening now, though, is absolutely absurd, and that is this. Politicians texting your phone to vote for them in in the upcoming election. That should be illegal. That has to be illegal. I feel like, not to brag, I do a pretty good job of burying my head in the sand and staying out of the political weeds. It never ends well. No discussion ever is beneficial. You only lose friends, not gain them by talking politics. I don't, I, people talk politics, I go the other way. Now to have them reaching out. Hey, Ryan, vote for me in this upcoming election because I care about blah, blah, blah. 
I mean, it works both ways, by the way. Not only vote for me, it's, oh, that crook. Look at this guy on the other side. Voted for this. Can you believe that? Make sure you vote for the other guy. The fact they text. And by the way, I got like three. I said, this is ridiculous. But they're probably automated messages. But once I said, you know what? Let me have some fun. I texted one guy back. I think his name is Anthony. See, this is this actually this real guy? Or is this an automated message? I'm just going to get a kickback number. I texted this guy on Friday. Ask him, fine. You want to talk politics? Let's talk about the real issues. Skippy or Jif peanut butter? What side you want? He said, Jif? And then you know what? As a Jif guy myself, he got my vote. I got no idea what he's voting for. I got no idea what his... Or what he's running on, I should say. I got no idea if he even impacts my area. But this is a real number. People are, unless, unless it's AI driven and they know the difference between Skip, uh, Skippy and Jeff. But that just is ridiculous. Texting now, political ads, it's bad enough when it's on TV. Inundating the phone. <laughs> that's where... Someone needs to step in there and make sure that does not happen again. As a reminder, think O'Reilly Auto Parts for your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Okay, before we get out of here, Colts made it official today. They are shutting Anthony Richardson down. He is getting shoulder surgery and is going to be out for the rest of the year. When we look at how to assess Anthony Richardson's rookie year, This is going to be a guy who's made four starts out of 17 games and who finished, started and finished one game. That's it. Started and finished one out of 17 games. His season in a theme was about injuries. Anytime he got something going good, ended with some sort of injury knocking him out of the game. And in this case, knocking him out for the season. With that said, though, the Colts cannot... Cannot change the way they use him next year and beyond. Anthony Richardson does not need to change his playing style. The Colts do not need to change how they use their fourth overall pick going forward. What makes Anthony Richardson special? Why the Colts drafted him in the first place, fourth overall, was because his combination of his size, built like a house as a linebacker, his speed can run like a gazelle. And his arm. Guy got a rocket launcher, a rocket launcher on his right uh, right shoulder. That trio, size, speed, arm, is why the Colts took a chance on an unpolished quarterback out of Florida. They wanted a guy who can hurt teams with his legs, hurt teams with his arm. And constantly put defenses in a bad spot. And limiting now and taking away one of those threats and not letting him run next season and beyond is a mistake. You are lowering the ceiling of Anthony Richardson and making your team worse if you tell him, hey, AR, I know you're great. Throttle it down on the right. Throttle it down on one of the things you do really well and one of the reasons why we drafted you. That would be a mistake. That would be an absolute mistake, and the Colts should not do it. I hate to say it, but I think Richardson's rookie year, getting injured three different times, and the last one now knocking him out for the season, 
I would equate to bad injury luck. Not reckless playing, not needing to change a style, bad injury luck. And bad luck doesn't mean you overhaul your plans for the guy that you drafted just a year ago. So I would not panic if I'm the Colts. I wouldn't change the way Richardson plays, or I would not change the way I call plays. Let him make him what's, uh, allow him, I should say, to do what makes him so special. All right, that'll do it for me right here on CBS Sports Radio. A huge thank you to Jack Stern for producing the show. A huge thank you to Joshua Perry for joining us. And a huge thank you to you for spending some time with us on this Wednesday right here on CBS Sports Radio. Don't go anywhere. JR Sport Brief is up next. It's been Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.